three, two, one, go. My name's Andrea. My name's Amani, and you're listening to Raise Your Words. Today we're joined by our first guest for the career episode, Aslam Omar Khair. For those of you who don't know, Ahlam is the head of the video department at The Tempest. That's thetempest.co. Ahlam, why don't we let you introduce yourself first? Hi, my name is Ahlam Mukher. I am the head of video at The Tempest not the Shibirian play of Tempest.co, and I am also a content creator. And now a word from our sponsors. What or who inspired you when it came to picking a major during your undergraduate? What happened was like for the first two years, I went to a community college and I studied liberal arts. I had no idea what I wanted to major in altogether. Weird fact about me though, I was intending on studying math. I transferred to the University of Massachusetts, Boston after I graduated community college. I I love to read, I love to write. I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that sooner. I was struggling with my classes. I browsed around some of the other majors. The English department was up my alley. So yeah, I uh, studied English creative writing and it was the best decision I've ever made. That I wanna do now. I feel like, I don't know, I want to write comedy. Like, I really like nonfiction. Like stand-up comedy? comedy or like the Hasan Minhaj type of comedy? or Yeah, the Hasan Minhaj type. Nice. I could see that, actually. Yeah. I love comedy. Especially from like the stuff that I've read that you've written. Like, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think, again, it's like, again, with comedy, it's just like the one thing that you could just... It's, it's like an inside joke, right? You're able to kind of like communicate something to someone and like, oh, I get it. So I guess the next one is, were you the only hijabi in your major? And if so, how did you deal with that if you were? Or were there other Muslims in your department or major? Interestingly enough, no. I only met one other black hijabi. My school is it was really diverse. Major that I studied, like it wasn't intimidating. There were students from all walks of life. They're international students, if not um, people of color. There's this other hijabi girl and I didn't even realize she was a Muslim until like our second class together. What is something that you like to do for fun? Okay, um, for hobbies, I like to read and write. I don't get to do it enough though, but I, I enjoy it. Um, this is more of a self-care activity, but I've been practicing yoga. Um, hmm. And then, like, just to kill time, I like to watch YouTube videos. Ooh, I'm kind of wondering what type of YouTube videos. I'm kind of curious now. Ooh. Yeah. So, I guess the next... Okay, so... 
Another thing that we're actually asking a lot of our guests who do the career episodes is if you could pick a name for a title of your episode, what would it be? Hmm. Um, I think maybe like three keywords that associate with everything we've talked about in this episode. Sounds good yeah. to me. Yeah. So it would be like blank, blank, um, and blank. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. what type of YouTube videos do you watch since like you do yoga and you watch YouTube? Kelly Stamps. I love Kelly St- Oh my god, yeah. I found someone else who watches Kelly Stamps. Jackie Ina's really funny too. Yeah, she's hilarious mm. as well. Well, for yoga, I do watch um, Yoga with Adrian, but I do have a handful of favorite YouTubers. I like Shahid Batal, Darcy, she's really funny. And I also watch like a lot of K-pop music videos and like even the variety shows for that. What type of K-pop like bands do you like? Do you, are you like more like old? Do you like more of like the old ones like Shiny or Beast? Or do you like the new ones like, uh, what is it, Blackpink Pink, or, or BTS? Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm, BTS, I'm old. I got, I got. Uh, I'm a multi-stand, so like I don't, I don't have like a specific preference. Ooh, hold up! What was the first band that really got you into K-pop? EXO. Like that. I love EXO. Wait, is that the one with Amber? I remember she was really. No, that's. It's a boy band. They have a really good song called Lightsaber. And a bunch of other. Day six. That's Jay's podcast. Yeah. Some, if not most, K-pop acts. They have a much stronger, stronger fan base outside of Korea mm. than they do in podcasts and what was the other one podcasts and current like books or you know that kind of okay book shows the only book i'm reading right now is the autobiography of malcolm x um i feel like it's much needed especially in our current times right now and podcasts um i've been listening to therapy for black girls um how did I get here? Which is, um, do you know? Uh, essentially, what is an article or project that you're proudest or considered your best accomplishment? And what is the project that you've done that you're not that proud of or wasn't your favorite? And you can be as vague or as, spe- or as specific as you like. So I haven't been writing articles in years, um, but with my, um, with my current position at The Tempest, like, I would say my proudest accomplishments is just working with the fellows to get their um, creations out into the world. Um, I think last week, um, yeah, by by the date of this video, uh, this podcast, I'm sorry, it's August 26th. So as of last Friday, um, we published a video survey on privilege and I thought it was an important um, discussion to have. And I'm, I'm so proud of my fellow April for working so hard on that and yeah um just like just working with the fellows and getting their um video content out there yeah that was that's the proudest moment of um me and my position i used to be a writer for um a uh, media company um it was an online magazine and um i i'm not i'm not gonna put them on blast i don't think i don't think that's i don't want to do that um but yeah, like I just, um, it felt like a full-time job, even though I wasn't getting paid and the environment was really toxic, but I mean, I made some good friends, so I guess it's not entirely a regret. Hmm. 
but I think like the main thing is like as long as you keep going and as long as you keep chasing your dreams like that's the most important thing when I signed on I didn't think I was gonna be the head of video I thought I was just gonna be like a video fellow or something like I would just be creating content for them and not like leading the entire department so like on day one like I'm just like I'm just stepping up and I'm like okay hi everybody so um what do you need me to make for you? And then they're like, um, you're actually the head of video. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it felt like something out of, it felt like something out of True Jackson. That's DP, amazing. Right? I just had your eyes just bugging like, excuse me? <laughs> so yeah, it was unexpected, but um, I've been at the Tempest for over a year now and I'm, I'm really grateful. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I was also going to ask, what is something you wish you knew going into your field? Something I wish I knew going into my field? Um, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Um, that's how you learn from them because if you don't make mistakes, then how will you learn? How will you improve? You know, no one is born perfect anyway. So no, one, no one's going to get it right 100% of the time. That's fine. It's it sounds redundant, but it's my <laughs> philosophy. That's good. That's tried and true. And like I wish, like we hold success as much as we hold equally as failure. Because again, like, how can you be exactly. the person that you want to be, or learn the person that you did not know you're going to be if you just don't just properly go like, okay, I fall on my face and I feel stupid, but you know what? Everyone's <laughs> falling on their face metaphorically. So we're just going to get off and dust ourselves off and keep going. Yeah. Before we move on to the more humorous questions, I also wanted to know, what is something that you would say to someone who is interested in joining as a video fellow, but might be a little nervous about joining? Um, let your worries go. Um, I feel like, I don't know, like when you... All right, I'm going to I'm going to backtrack a little. So it's okay to be nervous. Um but if you don't apply, then you'll never know. So just don't be scared to apply. Um don't worry if like your whatever like video content you send me um that you apply with um it's not like it doesn't have to be like top top notch. It doesn't have to have like budget or anything, you know. Um yeah, it can just be like I don't know. The following video. 10 people from around the world share their stories on what privilege means to them and their stories with police encounters and more. The video is created by April Peng. That's A-P-R-I-L-P-E-N-G. And she is a video fellow for The Tempest. That's thetempest.co. Privilege to me means that my experiences have always been treated as if they were the norm, as if everyone experienced the exact same thing. Privilege is the system always working out in your favor in some way. When I think of privilege, um, I always think about that quote where black women have to work twice as hard to get half of what their male counterparts get. What privilege means to me is pretty much any advantage an individual might receive due to things pretty much out of their control. 
you have more opportunities because of something, something that, that wasn't necessarily worked for. You didn't necessarily earn. It was more given to them because they were maybe born in a certain skin tone. You could have access to benefits as a result of your sex, as a result of your race. Religion, your race, sex, sexual sexuality, your parents' financial status. Maybe they were born in a certain country that had more resources than another. Whether you are like heteronormative or whether you are cis or transgender. Anything like this where the individual pretty much had no control over. And that is all just love is the way you're born. But then can go on to influence their actions or influence their life in a way that could be an advantage to them. The best way I've thought of to describe my experience with with uh, privilege and especially white privilege is if you're on a plane, an airplane, um, you, you turn on airplane mode and that to me is white privilege. You know, it's the ability to be detached to the world beneath you. Things that are affecting so many people all around the world and you're bounded around these four walls and that becomes your safe environment. There's an additional set of obstacles that are removed for you that you don't even notice until you encounter someone else having those obstacles for the very first time. Racism, I've had to learn about. It's not something that naturally I experience. Privilege is also having the mindset of, well, these social issues don't apply to me, so why should I care? White people don't have to care about what's going on to minorities because yes, it affects them, but not in obvious ways that everyone can see. Well, you'd be surprised to know how much it connects to you. I think it's what a lot of people misunderstand about privilege is they assume that by being told that you have privilege, it means that your life is easy, but that's the farthest thing from the truth. Your life is still difficult, but there are additional obstacles removed, especially as it pertains to the legal system. So I actually grew up outside of the Boston area in like a you know, pretty wealthy suburb. I guess like I come from a middle class family. We never had to worry about like finances or food or shelter or like um... It was when I first moved to the UK and um, I started at a new boarding school. That meant that my parents could pay for me to go to private school. I also went to like one of the best public school systems in the nation. And I got all of these new opportunities that I didn't have. I mean, I got diagnosed with dyslexia, which obviously propelled my education so much. The teachers were pressured to give students more time to like university applications. They had smaller classroom sizes, so teachers could give more time to students. If I had a problem with a subject, my mom could pay for a tutor if she wanted to. When I got to college, like I was actually surprised by like how much easier the classes were. Like compared to high school, like college classes were actually easy for me. A lot of my friends were also struggling. And so that's when I realized that I did have that privilege of going to like a really good school. And going from my school in Canada, which wasn't particularly great, normal state school, I can see other friends that used to go to the old schools with me. I now have the opportunity to go to a pretty great university in London, and they just couldn't even really dream of it. It's not that I work particularly hard over anybody else, but yet because of my privilege and my parents' status, I had this opportunity. The earliest memories I have of feeling privileged was at primary school, around about at the age of 10, and seeing the discriminatory way that other kids were treated in a way that I was not treated. I grew up in Plymouth and the population are approximately 96% white, so I wasn't exposed to many people of any other ethnic origins. Within my boarding school I went to, it was in like Devon, UK, which is... 
uh, ball pile can get probably at least 95%, you know, white. In Tennessee, we, we have a lot of racial tensions because there's a lot of people who have Confederate flags, who, who think it's heritage and not hate, and it's everywhere, really. There was three black children at our primary school, and they were all brothers of one another. In my school of like 500 kids, there was a single uh, black student there. There would definitely just be jokes aimed in his direction. I had a moment of reflecting on the fact that they might have heard some of the racial slurs that were being said in the playground by 10-year-olds. I remember distinctly two songs that went along the lines of Bup Bup Ding Ding 299 in a supermarket working overtime I asked for an Adidas, he gives me a pair of Nike I said fuck you I wear what I like I can only imagine how those individuals must have internalised that hierarchy and how that could have affected their esteem later in life When you're a person of colour, you deal with microaggressions Oh, you don't talk like you're black. Oh, you're pretty for a black girl. And no matter how much you try to adapt, there will always be that kind of label that is attached, um, that kind of stigma that uh, people really can't look past. Why am I having to alter the side of me in order to be accepted by someone who isn't necessarily doing the same? And I think that's where the racial discrimination really takes a toll on you. I have at least three different class presidents in my time in my high school who were student elected and who all had confederate flag memorabilia like on their like cars, their personal property. And there was a couple of black students at my school who started a petition to get those kids to either take the stuff off their cars or to like lose their, their position as class president. I was young enough the first time that I didn't sign um, because I just didn't understand. And the second and third time I signed, but I don't think I really understood anyway. And nothing happened. Like it didn't cause any sort of change um, because there were not enough support from the, the authorities, the faculty to create that change. Fairly recently, I was speaking to um, some staff at the waiting staff job that I do. And some of the girls were telling me that when they were younger, they thought that the fact that they were black is because they did something wrong. And that when they're older, they'll grow up to become white because they'll be good. That really struck me hard as something that I've never had to undergo. I've never been set back and had my self-esteem shattered on something, uh, what I consider to be rather arbitrary as the color of my skin, but also affects people in multiple different situations. When I would search for roommates, you know, I would be denied based on my skin color or because I wear the hijab. An instance where I was pulled over by a police officer for driving without headlights, and the first thing that police officer did was shine a high-powered flashlight into the car um, at the passenger seat where my friend was sitting. I am white, my friend is black. That officer immediately called him a racial slur. My friend did not say a single word throughout the encounter, but. Regardless of what my friend said, the officer was still treating him with a very undue amount of aggression. I think the only thing that kept that situation from escalating farther was the fact that I was in the car with him, and I was let off of a warning. And you can only imagine what would have happened if my friend was driving alone in his own car. Every single time I've ever gotten pulled over for a speeding ticket, or because I had a headlight out, or anything like that, I've been able to just cry my way out of it. The occasional times that like I've been on a night out and the police have started talking to me for whatever reason. They just immediately think I'm innocent. Recently with um, the protests and 
um, all the curfews and everything. There's been military in our neighborhood and also um, an increased police presence. I haven't really felt afraid to break curfew, you know? And the fact that I can live without that fear when other people can't just based on the way they look is definitely privilege. The other thing I can think of is another time in which I had gotten into a car accident with another driver. And upon the appearance of a police officer, I was hysterical, I was panicking, I had suffered from a concussion and severe whiplash. Regardless of my behavior, that police officer was nothing but calm and polite to me. Which I think draws up a lot of times in which I've heard people, especially white people, say in response, well, police officers are nice to me. I've had nothing but pleasant encounters with police officers. Whenever I like, interact with the police, you know, I don't really feel uh, scared. I don't really feel um, disrespected. A white man who's a cop in the South will see a, a white girl and will want, will protect her. Even I have friends who could be literally just smoking weed on the street and the police will come up to them and be like, oh, could you do that around the corner so you're not on the high street? Now I feel like if they weren't white, the police wouldn't have had that response. I am, have never been perceived as a threat. I feel like if anything, when people see me, they think I'm harmless or responsible even. I've been able to escape, you know, punishment for things that I've done against the law um, because that's, they see me as something that they should protect. And then after I was brought to court over it, I was the only white person in that courtroom being brought up before a judge. Everyone else was a black man or black woman. And their sentences, despite being very similar to my own, if not identical, were much higher. In some cases, even imprisonment. The judge put out those sentences as casually as he gave me a $200 fine and points off my license. What I did was very minor. What all of these people had done was very minor. This was, this was a civil court. I walked out and paid my fine and left. Other people went straight to prison. What this privilege that I'm gonna set to. I can be like a friend to you, but also like not like I, I'm I don't have to like explain everything to you about my life, you know. Just gotta keep it professional. That's how I see it. easiest answer to that is like any family member especially like when you have siblings like of course you want to pull them oh yeah face. they're always like <laughs> they're always taking you up to here oh, i know that feeling okay that's part i can relate to yeah uh, but you love them no is there a... <laughs> yeah. wait um edward do you have any other questions oh, no, that you're like oh, yeah, i mean i i do again great segue <laughs> Um, is there an app that you hate, but you use, but you still use, and why? An app that I hate, but I still use. Like a guilty pleasure app that you don't like, you know, like, ooh, people should know it, but like, I still feel guilty checking it out. Unpopular opinion, Instagram. Ah. Oh, I prefer... I have to agree with that, actually. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I prefer... I prefer Twitter over Instagram because, like, I feel like you get more a lot of my. You got a, you get a lot. Uh, I take you get a lot more out of my personality from Twitter than you do Instagram, and I don't post as much aside from just posting on my stories. So, um, yeah, and also like 
Twitter, like you have like these different um these different types of users, like you know, like um there's um there's black Twitter, there's Muslim Twitter, there's K pop Twitter. Um sometimes there's sectionalities of that, yeah. Um mm-hmm. and sometimes it can be fun to um you know, like do those like little Twitter challenges. Like I don't know if you've seen it lately, but like oh, yeah. um you would quote the tweet with like I don't know, like a picture of yourself in a meme or um, Oh, I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah. I saw a tweet that was like, um, without downloading any new pictures, um, find something from your camera roll that describes the um the state that you're the mental state that you're in right now. And um funny, like there was this meme I've been dying to use and it was um so context, um so do you know the group seventeen? Yeah, I, I do. They're my alt favorite. They're great. Yeah. So they did like this um, talent show thing. And um, the eight was the member of the eight. There's a member named the eight. Um, he was um, he was doing impressions of the other members. And he was making fun of this other member named June. So um, like <laughs> he's like too much. And he has his arms up and he looks like he's about to fall. And it was so funny. So I tweeted that and like, yeah, I hope that tweet doesn't flop. <laughs> like, okay, the locals are not gonna understand that tweet, but K-pop Twitter definitely will. Oh yeah. yeah. I love how you said That's the locals. Like, <laughs> and it's funny okay. because for me, like I'm on K-pop Twitter and book Twitter and like a lot of times I'll be reading stuff and I'm like, oh wait, your average person won't have any clue like what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's always great because, like, you kind of feel like you have your own little, like, niche or almost like it's a after-school extracurricular in a way. Yeah. I think one thing, although, I, I gotta say, although the uh, K-pop uh, stands do kind of scare me, I gotta say, I do love them, what they did for Twitter, uh, it was during a couple months ago when they were taking down, like, that hate, like that hateful hashtag by just reposting, <laughs> like, videos of, like, uh, K-pop uh like dance routines like if you guys kind of remember i forgot yes. it was yeah that part i was just like because people were like you yeah, like like these k-pop fans like listen man but like they did a solid yeah i gained some respect out of that and they're like all right yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll do that and so props I, to them yeah and props to them for duping the um the dallas police department like they had an app where um you could like send any footage from any protests but instead it got completely drowned out with fan cams and um another instance of k-pop twitter saving the day is um when trump had a rally at um in oklahoma and um you could just get your tickets online for free so k-pop twitter they got their tickets but they didn't go and the funny part was like the the rotten peach in the Oval Office, you know, he went on live television and with his whole chest, he's like, yeah, so like, there's gonna be like, no empty seats, oh, this is gonna be great. There were so So many empty seats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw so many memes about that. It was hilarious. So actually, since we're on politics, I was gonna like uh, I, I mean it's not part of the script, but um, just asking like what are how are you feel about the elections coming up and doing a mail in ballot and everything? Because like I'm like terrified. I'm not gonna lie, and just praying things are gonna work out. But what are what are your thoughts on it as well? Um, 
regarding, again, the, the election coming up and the uh, mailing in ballots. It's really a weird year to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, we're in a double pandemic right now. Um, and, like, of course, like, you have no choice but to do your mail-in ballots. If you if you play your cards right, of course, and you follow the steps. Um, I am going to do a mail-in ballot, but um, worst comes to worst, I might have to go out and actually vote because I'm not going to not let my vote be counted. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And that's definitely what we hope everyone listening in will do is either, you know, have a mail-in vote yeah. or go out and vote. And I'm even holding because... the, everyone in my apartment accountable for voting. Yes, please do. Yeah. That is very important. And my followers on my that's social sweet. media, please register to vote. Side tangent, I, you know, when they were celebrating, I, 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 I hi, I'm very political. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as I used to be, but that the fire still hasn't died out. Um, it's like they're celebrating women getting right to vote, and I'm just like, what about the black women who had to wait? Like, how about people of color who had to wait until they get the right to vote? Like, why do people kind of forget that? I'm like, guys, I know you're happy, but like, don't forget the other majority as well. Like, come on, guys, it's gonna yeah, be woke. Like- yeah, and, like, didn't Susan B. Anthony hate black women? Exactly! I'm just like, guys, yep. come on. Come on, guys. We got the internet. We, we, can, we can search up more stuff. Come on. Like, just... And I know, like, I mean, I don't know how, if any of you have been hearing this, but, like, I've heard from, like, relatives towards either they want to vote, but they feel like there's no good options, or they, like, feel like their vote doesn't matter, and I'm like, your vote matters. That's how Trump got elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because apparently, I know people, and this is really sad, but some people were like, oh, I don't think my vote's going to matter, so I'm just going to vote for some rent, like, just randomly vote. And I'm like, why? It's like, no, they don't vote at all. You're and that's, that's the the idea of the kind of person who shouldn't be voting. But anyway, you need to go out and vote because, I mean, Honestly, like, we don't want, like, another two more years of Trump. You had a burning question to ask, like, for you to take in or so on and so forth. Like, something, I guess, along the lines of that. Alive, I would say Issa Rae because Mm -hmm. she is, like, my biggest inspiration. And what I would ask her is, how did she get, how did you get your foot in the door? Um, And dead, probably Malcolm X. Um, Hmm. The burning question. He'd be an interesting person. Yeah. So, um... The burning question I would ask him is, um, what kind of legacy were you hoping for? Thank you so much for coming on our show Thank you for as our me. first guest. Yeah, no problem. Of course. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, you can actually find Ahlam on at say the name Ahlam on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And she posts really great content on both and I love watching her videos <laughs> on Instagram. So definitely check those yeah. out if you haven't done so already. And that is at say the name A H L A M. That's at say the name A H L A M. We hope you enjoyed today's segment on Raise Your Words. Stay tuned for more. 
Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or whenever you're listening it from.